your majesty, Jesus, is unlike any other majesty on earth. It's unlike any other king, any other human ruler whose glory and power is here today and gone tomorrow. Your majesty is everlasting. And when we see you in your majesty, rather than seeing an authoritarian ruler, although all authority belongs to you, rather than seeing someone who's dominating and uses his power for just himself, that's the way the world does it. When we reflect on your majesty as revealed in Jesus Christ, the image of God, what we see is the lion who became a lamb and laid down his life for you and I. And this is the majesty of God revealed, not in power or swords or guns or (laughs) human might, but in the self-sacrificial love of the lamb of God. Majesty, we sing majesty, all glory and honor, praise and blessing we give to you, the majestic one, our King, our Lord, Jesus Christ. We pray and sing in your name. Amen. If you're uh, visiting with us this morning, we're so glad to have you. We just started a new series um, called Christoformity, which is a fancy way of saying to be conformed into the image of of Christ, which is the whole goal of following Jesus, to become like Jesus. Amen? We follow him to become like him. And so in this series, this is going to last a while. Um, it's going to be a Life of Christ series, and we're going to go through his birth, his childhood, his life, his teachings, his parables, his actions, his death, uh, resurrection, and ascension. But before we get into any of that, we're spending several weeks in the Old Testament um, because the story of Jesus does not start Uh, with the incarnation. The story of Jesus extends into eternity past. Jesus has been at work always um, with the Father, which is what we looked at last week. Uh, Jesus in creation. So this is just a little uh, about this series. As we begin our journey through the life of Jesus, we're taking time to start with creation and the beginning of the scriptures because long before the incarnation, Jesus was alive and at work. Today, we're going to look at his image. Last week, We looked at Jesus in creation from Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And do you remember, what is the first thing God created? Light. First thing that God creates is light. In John 1, uh, John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in him is the life of men, and the life is the light of men. The first thing that Jesus creates uh, in any situation is light. In John 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, who has, for God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten son. You know that verse? Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he says, the son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. But this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light. And in John 8, Jesus stood up and said, I am the light of the world. So as we looked at Jesus in creation, there were three things that we focused on. One, that all things were made by him and for him. This is Colossians 1, 1 Corinthians 8. All things were made through him and for him, which means that you and I were made by him for him. This is the first step of being conformed into God's image is recognizing the lordship of Jesus, that you were made for him. You were not made for yourself. You were made for him. 
which means what he says goes, right? He's the Lord. Um, secondly, that Jesus is the light of the world. And the first created thing is light. Jesus is the light. So as we follow Jesus, acknowledging his lordship, as we step into the light, we are conformed into his image by his light shining on us. And thirdly, we looked at Jesus as the wisdom of God. We looked at Proverbs 8, where wisdom is God's co-creator in the creation story. And in John 1, where Jesus is the logos, the wisdom of God. And Jesus' wisdom is greater than Solomon's wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the word, the logos. In him are found all the treasures of wisdom. So this morning, um, as we continue to walk through our series on the life of Jesus with an eye towards Christoformity, there are a number of questions that I want to introduce that I'd like us uh, to wrestle through. And it's this question, how do people change or grow? Anybody here seen the movie Frozen? Seen Frozen? I see a few men uh, who are too embarrassed to say they have. Come on, who here, who here has seen Frozen? All right, I have an eight-year-old or a six-year-old daughter, and guess what that means for me? That I've seen Frozen. I think Frozen 2 is coming out, isn't it? All right, so it's a great movie. My daughter loves it. Wonderful story, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's one part that I cannot stand. I absolutely cannot stand. There's a scene where Kristoff, the, the ice dude, he goes back to the trolls with Anna. And if you've never seen Frozen, you're going to be completely lost. That's okay. So he goes back to this troll tribe, which is very strange. And they're singing this weird song. And they're, they're singing about Kristoff and Anna and their relationship. And this one troll sings this line, and it grates on me when she sings it. She sings, um, you can't change him because people don't really change. And it's, it's like this highlighted message in the movie. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? Do you remember that line? You can't change him because people don't really change. What's that? Oh, Julie thinks I should sing it. <laughs> <laughs> She would. <laughs> Let's take a vote. People don't really change. Our entire hope is built on this, that because of Jesus Christ, people can change. That is our entire hope. So when I hear that sung, every time I want to stop the movie and I want to call it out and I want to tell to my children, don't you listen to that for a minute. Because people do change. And Jesus is the one who changes them. Which is really what this whole series is about. As we look at Christoformity. What it means to be conformed into the image of Jesus. It's with this hope. That you and I can change. We can be transformed. To walk with him and look more like him. To be shaped by him. So these are our questions that we're going to be wrestling through. How do people change? How do we grow? How do we become more like Jesus? How do we practice Christoformity? So as you think about culture, think about our world, what are ways that we're told to change? What are things that we're told to do in order to change? How do you think people change? These are some that I've heard or have experienced in my own life. Certainly there's a message in our land that's, well, you work harder. Work harder. This is a Protestant work ethic. You know, uh, definitely southeast Pennsylvania. People change. you got to work harder. But that, uh, man, you just end up beating your head against the wall when you try that method. Exhausted. You hear pray more, which 
I am here to advocate more consistent and continual prayer. Don't hear me say otherwise. Um, but, but that as a pithy answer to how you change can be really unhelpful. And in fact, it can be harmful in some situations. And the same goes with the next one, read more scripture. I, I desire all of us to be people of the word. So don't hear anything other than that. Parker Ford Church, we are to be people of the word, reading and feasting on the word of God daily. But I, I just listened to a debate this week between an atheist and a, a New Testament scholar, and they're both New Testament scholars. And the atheist, he knows more about Greek and more about, <laughs> about the scriptures than I will ever know. He, you know, he's one of those guys who's forgotten more than I, I will ever know, and yet he's an atheist <laughs> without relationship with the Lord. This head knowledge is not enough. It's not enough. It's in and of itself, it's not enough to be transformed. It's part of it. It's a piece of it. Read self-help books. This is pretty popular in our culture. You know, 10 ways to be a more successful person or, or whatever that's all around us. Listen to more TED Talks. Who here likes TED Talks? I like TED Talks. TED Talks are awesome. Um, or wait for a miracle. These are all different uh, ways, and there's other ways that we're told uh, that change can happen. I don't think any of them begin to really scratch the surface of what it means uh, to be transformed or changed. Um, this comes uh, from a sermon that John Mark Comers gave at his church, uh, Bridgetown Church in Oregon. I really appreciate the way that John Mark uh, teaches and writes about uh, transformation. And he says, to be an apprentice of Jesus is to order your life around three goals. Firstly, be with Jesus. Secondly, become like Jesus. Thirdly, do what he did. He goes on to say, apprentices of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, are those who arrange their whole life around transformation. So let me bring that as a question to you today. Is your life arranged around being transformed into the image of the Son? Disciples, which all of us, I hope, would agree, in Christ we are. We've, we've received the call from Jesus to follow. We have three things to order our life around. To be with him, to become like him, and to do what he does in the world. This I would present to you, I would submit as a picture of what it means to be transformed and conformed. To be with him continually, to become like him day by day, and to do what we see him doing in obedience. You know the, you know the bracelets from the, the 90s, the uh, do what Jesus, or what, what was it? What would Jesus do? WWJJ. I, I would much prefer it to be, what, is, what would Jesus be doing? What is he doing? Because he's alive and at work and active right now. So we can ask ourselves, what is Jesus doing in any given situation? Any given situation, as a, an apprentice, a disciple of Jesus, we have the ability to pause, to reflect, to take every thought captive and to listen to the voice of God and just say to him, God, what are you doing in this situation? And that is a pretty good picture <laughs> of being transformed moment by moment in his presence. So to be conformed to Jesus, we must learn to live with Jesus, intentionally walk in his ways and practice what we see him doing. This is how we change. This is how we become who we were created to be, image bearers. So what we're going to do now through our last few minutes of the service is we're going to look 
at uh, the idea of being image bearers of God. So as humans, you and I bear the image of God, but it has been marred and disfigured. We were formed in the image of God, but our image has been twisted and deformed. And I chose that word very specifically because we are called to be conformed into the image of the Son. We have been deformed from the image of God in us through sin and through the fall, through brokenness. But now, in Christ, we are invited to be reformed and conformed and transformed back into his image. The human image, apart from Christ, has become so disfigured that in many ways humans are indistinguishable from other animals. Think about our behavior. Greed, lust, rape, murder, jealousy, anger, bitterness, wars, hatred, foolishness, just to name a few. But at just the right time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. So in Genesis 1, this is what we hear about the image of God. And I'm going to skip from day 1 to day 6 when humans are created. The word of God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, he creates the first thing. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was a morning, the first day. Skipping ahead to day six. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, this is Father, Son, and Spirit, in communion with one another, creating, God says to the Son, who says to the Spirit, who says to the Father, and so on, let us make humans in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. How do you have dominion over fish of the sea? As, a, as a, someone who loves the ocean, I love that picture. What does that mean? Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with, with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps in the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So God on the sixth day creates male and female in his image. In the image of Father, Son, and Spirit. But the image has been deeply deformed. You know the story of the fall and the implications that have spread out generation after generation um, as humans have continually chosen rebellion against God. And this is what Paul says in Romans 1. He sums up that passage about the deformed image 
In this way, at the end of chapter 1 of Romans 1, Paul says, And since they did not see fit, that's male and female, humans, did not see fit to acknowledge God. Since humans did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So where once there was a mind that thought like God thought, was created to bear his image in that way, now there has been we have been given over to a debased mind to do what not ought to be done. Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's quite a list. One thing that the scriptures do, there's a really interesting theme all the way from Genesis 1 that runs the entire length of the scriptures, and it's this, that the more that humans engage in sin, the more animal-like and beast-like they become. The more like the beasts that we're meant to have dominion over, we, instead of bearing God's image, bear the image of the things that we are supposed to represent God to. We see this from the very beginning. What happens with Adam and Eve's first two born sons? Cain, what does he do? He murders his brother. (laughs) And so immediately the impact of sin, the deforming of the image that was created in God's image that has now been twisted and deformed instead of Cain having dominion over sin and having dominion to uh, submit to the Lord and obey rather The Lord says to him, be careful because sin is crouching at the door and it will seek to overcome you. It will seek to master you. And so Cain is overcome by that desire and he murders his brother. And so Cain, the image bearer, one of the first humans recorded in the scriptures, directly tied to Adam and Eve, created in the image of God, has now become an animal in the way that he interacts with other humans. What Jesus has done has to come and restore the image of God that we would have our rightful place in creation once again, which is to truly have dominion over the earth, not to be uh, the kind of rulers that push people and animals down, but to be the type that lift others up. This is what it means to represent the dominion of God. So Paul is saying, humans, through the deformity of the image of God, how it's been twisted through disobedience and brokenness, are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malicious, gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And this is where I want to draw our attention Uh, at the close of this teaching this morning, as we think about what it means to be image bearers and what it it means to follow Jesus, the image bearer. Now look at this. Steph read this over us um, while we were worshiping earlier. Think about the imagery of the image of God and think about it now in relation with Christ. Paul writes to uh, to the Colossians, verse nine of chapter one, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled 
with the knowledge of his will. All right, see that phrase? We're praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now go back to Romans 1. And since they did not see fit to what? Acknowledge God. Prayer Paul here for these new believers coming out of of paganism, coming out of first century uh, Roman cults. He prays, from the day we have heard about you, we have not ceased praying, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's my prayer for us. <laughs> That's my prayer for you. That we would be filled with the knowledge, the will of God. All spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That almost seems too good to be true. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And yet in Christ, this is who we are. This is who we get to be in him. Fully pleasing to him. You don't have to raise your hand, but do you not desire to be fully pleasing to Jesus? In him you are. In Christ you are. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing Here it is again, in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now watch the image imagery. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So in the beginning, God created male and female. In his image, he created them. How do we know what that means, to be created in the image of God? Jesus. This is how we know what it means to be created in God's image. Scholars have long debated what that phrase means. There are all kinds of silly arguments about, you know, does it mean our bodies bear his image in some way, the way we're physically put together? Does it mean that we think like him, that we have the same tastes and opinions that he had? What does it mean to bear his image? Friends, what it means to bear his image is to look like Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. So to bear his image is to look like Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. Now, I'm not saying that those who are not in Christ do not also bear his image. Every male and female bears the image of God. And so all humans, and this is one of Christianity's greatest gifts as a movement to the world has been when when Christians rightfully recognize human dignity in people that are different than us and people that worship different than us, that look different, different cultures. So I'm not saying that God's image is not. It is. But the way we know what that is is through Jesus. Because he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, and this is the verse we highlighted last week, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so, from the very beginning of the creation story, when God said, let us make man in our image, male and female, he created in his image. From the very beginning, the whole point was this, that you and I would walk with Jesus. That was the point. From the very beginning, 
that the people of God would walk with his son in such a way that they would be continue, that we would be continually transformed into his image, giving him glory and receiving moment by moment direction and growth and conformity from him indwelling us. In 1 Corinthians, it says that you and I in Christ no longer have a debased mind. What do we have according to chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians? We have the mind of Christ. So now in Christ, We can not only bear his image as humans, but we can think like him as we seek to follow our rabbi, our teacher. Verse 18, verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you and I, who were once alienated, deformed and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So a few things I want to highlight from this for us. First, all humans are image bearers of God. Amen? (laughs) All humans. Your Muslim neighbors, (laughs) those who worship differently, those who, God forbid, vote differently than you, they're image bearers of God. All humans. But the image of God has become hopelessly disfigured and deformed. Any of us who are half honest with ourselves look inwardly and see that list of things. Selfish, prideful, arrogance, all of that. But Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so even though within us it's become hopelessly disfigured, we can look at Jesus and see what it's meant to be. So to be conformed to Jesus is to be reformed in the image of Jesus, in the image of God. I want to bring us back to that quote we started with. To be an apprentice of Jesus is to order your life around three goals. To be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and to do what he did. And apprentices are those of Jesus are those who arrange their whole life around transformation. So I leave you with this question. Praise team, you can come up and just take a moment to reflect on this. How is Jesus inviting you, your family, your community, your neighborhood? (laughs) How is he inviting you to be reformed, conformed, and transformed into the image of his son? Go ahead and be quiet before the Lord and ponder that question for a moment. So my uh, closing invitation is this. Um, there is nothing better than walking with Jesus. There's nothing better than walking with Jesus. And we can do that every moment of every day. <laughs> this is not something we do at one time of the week. This is something that God has called us to do at all times. And in walking with Jesus in every situation, every moment, 
we are continually, moment by moment, invited by God to be transformed, conformed, and reformed in his image. So you may be at a place in your journey where it seems a little bit hopeless because you've tried to change and you can't, um, and you've experienced that. All of us have had that experience. Um, and all of us continue to wrestle with sin and brokenness. And yet, the moment by moment, day by day, invitation of Jesus to his followers continues to be the same. Follow me. And so as you go from here this week, brothers and sisters, may you know that Jesus is speaking that to you. May you receive that and may you walk with him. May you become like him. May you learn to do what he's doing. And may you be transformed ever deeper into the image of the Son. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.